Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. My name is Rob Perry. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and it's just good to be back with everyone. If it's your first time here, we want to invite you to the welcome experience, which happens after every service. For about five minutes, just go through these doors, turn left. Uh, you can go to that and then pick up your children after if you do have kids, but we'd love to meet you at the welcome experience. So who's excited about Thursday? Come on, it's food time, right? <laughs> it's, I love Thanksgiving food. Um, but it's also a time when we come together and, with family and loved ones and we share uh, things that we're grateful for, right? Uh, some of you have traditions uh, that could be as simple as going around the table. And before you eat, you're each sharing something that you are thankful for on that day. Our family doesn't have any traditions like that, but we do, as we normally do, we pray before a meal, and that can tend to be a little bit longer on that day as we share the things we're grateful for. And I got to be honest, I struggle when somebody's praying that long prayer, and I'm staring at the turkey, and the, I can smell the cranberry sauce, but I managed to get through it as they're closing up the prayer of Thanksgiving. I'm also praying for a prayer of forgiveness for the gluttony that is about to happen as I dive into that meal. But it, it is a, a great time for us to be able to get together and share what we're grateful for. But have you ever walked away from Thanksgiving and said, why do we have to wait for this one day of the year to be able to share with one another why we're thankful? Why can't we do that just as a normal part of living. Like, why couldn't we go around right now? We'll start over here and just share what you're thankful for. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> You're like turned off. Don't hear anything else he's saying. No, but would you be able to share what you're thankful for? For some of you, it'd be easy. You'd be like, oh yeah, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the extra hour of sleep with daylight savings time. I, I'm so thankful for that extra hour. Some of you would be like, this warm weather in November, I'm thankful for that. It may be easy for you because life is good. And so you're sharing, you know, yes, it's easy to be thankful. But there'd be others of you that say, this is really hard. It's hard to be thankful. Now, I, just, I don't like my job. And on Friday, I was really in a good mood. But now it's Sunday, and I'm looking at Monday, and if you just knew everything that's going on in my life and the difficulties, then you would understand why it's hard for me to be grateful in this time. But every one of us, deep down, we really want to be grateful, but it seems like there's something or there can be obstacles to actually arrive at being thankful. Why is that? And, and what can we do about it? Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to search God's word to look at this thankfulness and gratitude, to look at his word with that in focus. So I'm going to ask that the ushers come down. They have Bibles. If you do not have one or you forgot one, just signal to them. They will give you a Bible. And if you don't have one, we'd love for you to go home with this one. We're going to center on a single passage. It's going to be in the New Testament, First. Thessalonians. It's written by Paul. And uh, we're going to dive into some other scriptures to help kind of walk through all of this. But Paul wrote this letter 
Uh, he wrote it to some friends in Thessalonica. They are new believers, and they happen to live in an area that is opposing Christianity. And so at the end of the letter, he's kind of doing his uh, final wrap-up. He says this, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That's good advice, isn't it? This, is one, this verse right here is one that you would consider putting on your lock screen for your phone or maybe your desktop, the logout screen there. This verse, that's it. That's perfect. But do you feel the tension in here or the potential conflict in this verse? There's a phrase in here that causes it for me because it says, well, I'll ask, when are we to be thankful? In all, yes, it's that phrase right there, in all circumstances. Because typically, the way it goes for many of us, it's like this. If I had more good things happen in my life, then I'd probably be more thankful and uh, be more of a thankful person if I had these good things. So here's the problem. A lot of us go in search of that joy. We, we can do it with all kinds of things. We can do it with stuff. We can do it with people. So we'll go maybe get a car or a house or the, a certain job level or a certain level of income or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or always having one of those things. We go in search of those things that bring us, we think, happiness. Because we think if we can find the things that are good, that make us happy, or if they can happen to us, then we can live thankful lives. But we know that's not always the case, right? When you finally arrive there, Paul is saying that kind of thinking, when I think like that, when you think that's, that's wrong, it's, it's flipped around from what he's trying to say. Paul is saying that in order to be truly joyful, I must first be deeply grateful. In other words, joy doesn't always produce thanks, but thanks will produce joy. Let me give you an example of joy does not always produce thanks. We just went through Halloween, right? Many times I would open the front door, I'd go down with the bowl of candy and say, your costume looks great. Go ahead and pick a few of these. They do. And no sooner than I step away, they're halfway down my sidewalk without saying anything. And the parents go, and what do you say? Thank you, 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 you know, and they're gone. <laughs> the joy of getting that gift doesn't always produce thanks. Listen to these words from Christian author Brennan Manning. I believe that the real difference in America church, American church is not between conservatives and liberals, fundamentalists and charismatics, nor between Republicans and Democrats. The real difference is between the aware and the unaware, when somebody is aware of that love, that same love that the Father has Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of the interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. You see, we're not joyful and then become grateful. We are grateful, and that makes us joyful. Did you catch that last part? 
You see, he knew what Paul knew, that the things that we look to for happiness don't always make us grateful. But being grateful has a way of producing happiness in our lives. So here's the big idea that I want us all to grasp this morning and we'll work through it. It's this, if I can give thanks, then I can find joy. That if I can somehow give thanks for all things and in all circumstances, then I can be joyful no matter what I have, no matter what is happening in my life. There's even some secular research that kind of, they don't know it, but it gets at this underlying principle. Two psychology professors came together and they did a research project. And so they recruited some volunteers and they put them into three groups. They asked the first group to focus on things that they were grateful for. They gave them the instruction. They said, listen, at the end of the day, write five things that you are thankful for in your book. So it can be anything like I'm thankful for this great friend. I'm thankful for the person that bought me a cup of coffee in Starbucks. So things that you're grateful for. Now, group two, what they had them do was focus on the hassles in life. So they're writing stuff in their uh, journal like, I cannot stand driving home on 540 East at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Or at 7 a.m. going west. Or when you, you know, I got my paycheck today and I cannot believe how much taxes are being taken out. They're writing things that are, are a hassle, to them. And then group three, they were just given, hey, write journal ordinary events, nothing special. Gave them no instruction on, you know, think positively or negatively about that. And so they did that. Well, they did this for 10 weeks, and the results showed that those who were grateful, that's group one, experienced increased happiness as well as health benefits. Or, you know, read the study, there's a lot more. But that simple thing that those who were grateful in, increased in happiness. So then the question is this, right? How can we do that? How can we be grateful as we looked at in all circumstances? Because each one of us knows, yes, life has some really good times. It's got some bad times and it has some ugly times. How are we to be grateful in all circumstances. Well, let's deal with the good side first. So let's look at giving thanks in good circumstances. I think of David in 1 Chronicles 29. And Dave, you know, whether you grew up in the church or not, you know David and Goliath. You know David the king. He ruled for 40 years. He had a desire to build a temple for God because the temple had been portable for years, and he wanted to build a permanent structure. Now, his son was the one that actually ended up building it, but he was the visionary. He was the fundraiser. And so in this section of scripture, uh, what David is doing is he's rallied everybody, and he's got them all there, and he's saying, listen, he stands up, I am going to be generous and give this and that and all this stuff personally in the building of the temple. How about you do that? And so they come up and they give and they give and they give toward the building of this temple. 
But then he stands up again in 1 Chronicles 29, and he says, hey, before we start this project and before we celebrate here, let's give thanks. Here's his prayer. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and even given strength. O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all comes and belongs to you. He's saying, God, you have been great. You're the one that took care of my ancestors. You're the one that got us here. And yes, we brought all of this stuff to build this temple, but you know what? If we're honest, you're the one that provided this. And I see it, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to give thanks. We are going to give thanks. For you and I, when, when we realize that God has given us something good or something good has happened, the moment that you and I realize that, Let's do what David did, and that is express it. Express your thanks. I remember doing this back in 2006 when I transitioned from IBM as a software developer to pastoring at the church. At the time, we had a big house, which meant big payment, and we had a car, which had a payment, and we moved to this new salary, half of it, which I had to write letters to raise my own support. And this was really fertile ground for a crisis to happen if we did not adjust things immediately, which we didn't, we couldn't. I forgot all the details, but we didn't. It was about six months later, we were actually able to sell our house. And then it was six months after that where I was able to sell our car paid off the loan, got cash, and bought a bread and butter car. And so all of that, now, I didn't see it in the, at the time. I, I should have, right? I, I didn't see God's provision in the time, so I retroactively gave thanks because it was like a month later, and I realized, whew, you gave me this window, God. You allowed our family to transition. You kept some stability there for us. We avoided a crisis it only came because of you. You see, we have the tendency in our lives that when things are going good, we take them for granted. Or we think we deserve them, or we earned them, or we think that good is what life should always be like. But when you and I find ourselves receiving something good, may we do what David did and express our thanks to God. You see, if we can give thanks, then I can find joy. Now, let's turn and look at giving thanks 
in bad circumstances. I think of Jesus, we can read in the account of Luke 22. You can also write down Matthew 26 and Mark 14. Same account. But this is likely a Thursday of Jesus' final week. And he finds himself here. He had come into Jerusalem with a great adoration of the people. He's coming in to, um, there's going to be a celebration going on. But it's also this day that one of his disciples, Judas, is going to betray him. And it's also a time that he decides, Jesus decides with his disciples right there to go ahead and have the Passover meal. For the Jewish people, the Passover meal was all about remembering how God had provided for them and how they could look forward to the Messiah who would come and continue to do that. And here Jesus is doing that knowing he is the one that's playing the lead role right now in its fulfillment. He knew exactly as he was going through this that Judas would betray him. He knew that Peter would deny him. And he knew shortly he would be arrested and that he would die on that cross. And he was able to say these words to the disciples. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the middle of the worst of circumstances, remember, he knows exactly what's going to happen to him. In the middle of that, he gives thanks. How can he do that? The writer of Hebrews gives us a little clue into how he could do this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus was able to give thanks in the darkest times here and do it joyfully because he was able to see beyond it. You see, if you are encountering some bad circumstances, do what Jesus did, and that is hope in it. He saw beyond the immediate what was going to go on with him to what lie ahead. He knew that at the other end of this would be his perfect sacrifice. And for those who believe in that, their sins would be forgiven and restoration would come between them and God. He was able to hope in that and it helped him endure. And you and I need to hope in our bad times. My mom recently had endured a very, very painful in, uh, injury. Labor Day broke her femur in like the worst spot. And I met her up here at the ER and I said, Ma, how you doing? And she said in her uh, New England accent, Robert, <laughs> she said, it's painful. But God is going to, see, God is bigger than this. He's going to see me through it. So I watched, they gave her shot and shot of morphine, one after the other. And I was like, Ma, is the edge off? 
Well, not yet, but the surgery is going to be the thing that takes care of this. I'm like, okay. And so she has the surgery. She ends up in uh, like a rehab home for six weeks. And it's just a long recovery. And I'm watching my mom go around with the walker. And so I sit down one day and I said, I know you want to move a lot quicker than this walker and a lot more than that little circle you did in the rotary there. And she said, Robert, that's all part of me being able to walk normal again later. You see, she was hoping in it. She was looking beyond the the pain and the immediate circumstance. And I know that many of you are going through some bad times now. I know it because of the role I play as a pastoral role. I know that some of you are suffering illness. I know that some of you are suffering because of the sin of others. I know that there's personal issues. I know that there's finance problems. I know that there's job problems. Some of you are just flat out going through very bad times. May you ask for strength to hope in it because hope says this, God, I want to believe that even though it looks like this, it looks bad, that you can bring something good out of it. Hope says, God, give me the strength like Jesus to see beyond this and to trust you that you will get me through this. Hope says, I got nothing left, God, but I know that that's the very point that you're going to get me through it. Hope says, my circumstances are bad. But God, I know that you are not bad. You are good. Help me hope in this. And I want to encourage you, those who are going through some bad circumstances, to do what Jesus did, to ask God for the strength to hope in it. Because if we can give thanks, then we can find joy. Let's look at The last one, and you're probably like, yeah, this is the one I wanted to really know about, and that is giving thanks in ugly circumstances. What do you mean by ugly, Rob? Well, I think if we can look at an account in Exodus 16 with Moses and the Israelites, I think it will help set the stage for us to understand this. So Exodus 16, Numbers 11, you can write that down too. It kind of gives us a little bit more information. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And then Moses comes along and through his leadership and God's faithfulness and power, uh, they are led out of Egypt and they are, have been promised by God to go to a special, the promised land. And so they saw, these people saw miracle after miracle after miracle of what God did with his faithfulness, his power. They saw that. And one of the things that God did was rain down uh, bread from heaven for them. It was manna. And here they are living in freedom, no longer in slavery in Egypt. And we actually read, because God never misses a day. We read in Exodus 16. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years. I'm not sure I would like that meal plan. Right? I mean, it's simple, pretty easy, but I'm not sure I'd be happy with that. Well, we know that the, the Israelites were not happy as well. They wanted something different. 
Here, God was providing uh, for them. And the people are complaining. They're even complaining, saying, we wish that we weren't here where we are free in all of this. We wish we were back in Egypt. You see, their offense against God was their ungratefulness. So what do I mean by ugly? I mean that something you got in your life wasn't exactly, was not exactly what you wanted. But yet God is meeting your need and he is providing. I saw this, I saw my wife kind of have an ugly circumstance because of something that I was going through. 12 years after we got married, I had a, a severe depression. It affected me, but it affected her. And all of a sudden, stuff that was part of our lives came to a screeching halt. The, the extra parent that was there to help her parent, not there. The joyful, the, the, I'm usually playful, the joyful, the spontaneous, just making the whole family laugh, not there. The intimacy between a husband and wife, not there. Here she sits thinking, this wasn't what I'd hoped for. This isn't the way I want it. But here's what I, I watched my wife, Kim, live out those vows and say, I take Rob to be my husband for rich or for poor in sickness and in health. I saw her just, in essence, say, God, I, I wish I didn't have this, but I have my husband, and it's a gift from you, and I receive it and I trust you in it. You see, that's what an ugly circumstance looks like. And in our ugly circumstances, may we do what the Israelites should have done and what I saw my wife do, and that is receive it, to want what we already have. Let me give you another example to really, really drive this point home. There's a doctor named John uh, Cavanaugh. He was a doctor in Michigan, and he led residents, and he had this one uh, student, female, who uh, he writes a story about or shares his story, and I want to share it with you. Um, he writes, she found herself drawn time and time again to an extended care hospital room for visits with an elderly woman. She had some kind of wasting disease, and though she could no longer move her arms and legs, she would say, I'm just so happy that I can move my neck. When she could no longer move her neck, she would say, I'm just so glad that I can hear and that I can see. And when the young student finally asked the woman what would happen if she lost her sound and sight, the gentle old lady said, I'll just be grateful that you come to visit. Mm. You see, so often we want bigger, we want better. But to receive it means our conversations with God go like this. God, this is not what I wanted, but this is what I have, and it is enough. I receive it as a gift. Because if I can give thanks, then I can find joy. Let me give us some practical tips on how we can be grateful in good times, bad times, in ugly times. Two, two easy ways. One is a gratitude letter or a card. 
Go ahead and write a, a letter or a card to somebody who had an impact on your life that if they did not, you would be a different person. Write them a letter and put it in the mailbox. Maybe some of you are like, no, I need to do that face-to-face. Well, then do it face-to-face, but let that person know why you are grateful for their, uh, them being in your life. So write a, a gratitude letter or a card. The other one is, and some of you may do this, a gratitude jar or a thanks living jar where you just put in each day, you put in something that you're thankful for. It may be easy on some days. You put them in there and other days it may be really, really difficult. But that at the end of the year, you take that jar and you start to go through it at the end and just open up and reread and share and just thank God expressing you know, thankful for all that's gone on that year. Maybe for you, it's that gratitude jar that you need to start. Regardless of what is going on in your life, give thanks and find joy. If things are good, then express it. If things are bad, hope in it. And if things are ugly, receive it. And I want to start this practice this morning. I want to start it with something that we do every week here at LifePoint. And it has to do with what Jesus, we read in Luke 22, where Jesus with his disciples took that bread and broke it. And to celebrate the meal together. I want us to celebrate communion together. I believe the communion should be on your left in the buckets. If you'll just go ahead and take the bucket and pass it to your right. And if you would each take one of the elements and hold on to it, you'll have a chance to take it when the band is playing. But as you're holding on to those elements this morning, and as we stare at them, may we be reminded of our greatest need that we ought to be grateful for. Because as we stare at these elements, we're reminded that our relationship at one point as Christ followers was severed. It was broken because of our sin. And because of what Jesus did on that cross and our faith and our belief in him, there's nothing we could do. There was no amount of performance, but the one thing we needed was somebody to step in and Jesus did that for us. And you chose to believe in him. And because we have Jesus in our life, we are a new creation in Christ. It doesn't happen when, when we someday pass away. It starts now. We're new in Christ. He is our Savior, but he is also our Lord in the here and now. You see, we can be grateful in all things, in all circumstances, because we have Jesus who took care of the greatest need that we ever had. He led us through that. You believed him on that. May you believe him with all of your life and give thanks this morning for what he's done. The band's going to play. And when you're ready, you peel back that top layer, getting to the bread, remembering that he said, that's my body broken for you. You can peel back the next layer, getting to that juice. That's my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you're ready, take and remember the awesome Savior that we have.